I'll just pray first. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for this evening. Uh, thank you for our fellow believers, and uh, thank you for uh, the good news of your Son, and that you unite us together and uh, bring us together in one body and uh, fellowship through our common salvation in him. So uh, we're grateful for him and uh, that you send your son to die for our sins. And I pray that you'd be with us uh, through your spirit and that you'd teach us and instruct us by your word uh, that we'd have encouragement and a living and abiding hope that uh, we would hold fast to your word and to the gospel and uh, that uh, more and more we would desire to uh, love and serve you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so I pray that you'd work this in us and that our speech and uh, all of our words and deeds would be well-pleasing to you. And we pray in your son's name. Amen. All right, so we're actually concluding our study of it's really been a survey of the authorship of the uh, Torah, uh, Mosaic authorship, and really just a survey of the Torah uh, to then set Genesis uh, into its broader uh, context, uh, its historical, cultural context, and uh, the audience, the second generation who is uh, preparing to enter uh, the land and uh, those who followed after them. So uh, for some things, there's been a lot of, lot of background if you haven't been here for a while uh, or if it's your first time here, uh, but we have classes uh, online and uh, we can briefly review some of the things that, that we've covered. So by and large, what we've been working through is uh, looking at the, the Torah, uh, the five books of Moses, and we've been looking and focusing especially on some of the explicit uh, evidence and testimony uh, where Moses is explicitly said in the Torah uh, to write. Uh, God commands and uh, he writes down. And so we're just looking, kind of framing it around uh, their first year coming out of Egypt uh, in their stay at Sinai through the first year. Uh, and then looking at Moses writing uh, during their 40 years in the wilderness. Uh, and especially toward the end of that uh, period. And so in their first year, uh, we saw uh, there was a curse against Amalek. Uh, he said, write, write in a scroll, I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek and speak in the hearing of Joshua. And so Moses wrote it down, uh, Exodus 17. And uh, there were the uh, Ten Commandments written on the tablets of stone. Uh, there was the Book of the Covenant, Exodus 21 through uh, 23, that Moses wrote down and spoke in the hearing of the people uh, as he ratified his legal covenant that was set up the binding relationship between uh, Yahweh God, uh, Israel's king, and his uh, people, who were to be a holy nation and uh, a kingdom of priests who would serve him and uh, be a blessing to all the nations of the earth and uh, make uh, Yahweh's fame and re uh, renowned uh, known throughout all of the earth. Uh, and then, uh, in addition to the Ten Commandments, Book of the Covenant, uh, Moses instructed uh, Ithamar by God uh, and the Levites to keep uh, recording of the uh, records of the tabernacle, uh, Exodus 38. 
Uh, and then toward the end of their first year in Numbers, uh, they had a census. Uh, and Moses worked with Aaron and the elders to take a census of the first generation who would die uh, in the wilderness, uh, and also appointing the Levites to all of their different uh, tasks, the, the Levitical uh, clans like uh, Gershon and uh, Merari and Kohath. Uh, and then in their 40 years in the wilderness, after they rebelled and would not believe God, <coughs> would not enter to the land that he said he would give to them, uh, Moses continued to teach and instruct the people uh, throughout that time, uh, but we saw some of his writing toward the end of that period where the second generation is on their way uh, going uh, around Edom and Moab uh, to the east of the Dead Sea, the east of the Jordan, uh, to prepare to enter into the land. Uh, and we saw the, the book of the Wars of Yahweh, uh, that was uh, part of that was cited, uh, containing poetry. Uh, there was the <coughs> also kind of a, 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 the second census that they had of the second generation, uh, with the men over 20 having died in the wilderness. Uh, in the first generation dying, but then taking a census of the second generation. Uh, and even a, a travelogue in Numbers 33 uh, that kept all their starting places, uh, place by place, all of their settings out uh, during their journey out of Egypt from Exodus 12 uh, all the way to Numbers 25, then uh, where they remained uh, near the east of the, uh, the bank of the, the Jordan. And so, just throughout these uh, 40 years, uh, you have a tremendous amount of uh, mosaic instruction and teaching uh, and writing during this time. And lastly, we've been looking at Deuteronomy uh, and seeing that's really framed as a covenantal uh, text. Uh, another uh, covenant. And We'll get into a little bit. You kind of have ideas of covenant renewal uh, and expansion. But let's just quickly glance. At one thing we've looked at before, but I think this would benefit uh, those who maybe haven't been here for a while. Go to the very end of Leviticus uh, 27. I just want to review... Just one verse at the end of Leviticus and one verse at the end of uh, Numbers. Because as, as we reach the end of Deuteronomy, uh, we'll see something uh, very uh, similar. That although uh, in uh, many different places you see Moses explicitly writing down at other times working with others, like uh, as scribes like Joshua, the Levites, uh, Aaron, uh, Moses' prophet, his, or his brother, uh, his nephews, Eliezer and Ithamar, his grandnephew, Phinehas, uh, and even the elders, you, you get to the end of Leviticus, and you read in verse 34, these are the commandments that Yahweh commanded Moses for the people of Israel on Mount Sinai. And so the, the whole book, it opens and closes as mosaic instruction, a mosaic uh, teaching. And so even though you don't have a word where it explicitly says, now Moses wrote this down, uh, throughout you have Moses and Aaron teaching the people uh, and instructing them 
uh, for how they're to make sacrifices and the Day of Atonement and uh, all of their feasts and uh, ritual purity laws and uh, on and on and on. And it's all a mosaic uh, instruction. And then you go to the end of uh, Numbers, so Numbers 36, and look at verse 13. These are the commandments and the rules that Yahweh commanded through Moses to the people of Israel in the plains of Moab by the Jordan at Jericho. And so even where we've seen some things, like we'll see at the very end of Deuteronomy, uh, here or there you might have a narratorial comment uh, by like a narrator that some of them sound anachronistic and as you look more, like, ah, maybe it's not. Uh, but then you have some that maybe seem to come just after the time of Moses, uh, as he worked like with Joshua and uh, Aaron and Eliezer and Ithamar and Phinehas. Uh, but again and again, you see this is the teaching and the instruction, uh, or these are the commandments and the rules that Yahweh commanded through Moses to the people of Israel in the plains of Moab by the Jordan at Jericho. And so again and again, uh, whether uh, at the times Moses writes or he has the elders write uh, in taking like the census or he has Ithamar take uh, the records of the tabernacle in Exodus 28, uh, it's all by God through Moses uh, to the people uh, and it's mosaic instruction and in teaching uh, throughout. And then as we go into uh, Deuteronomy, uh, it has all of these uh, various parts that we've been looking at uh, that were, uh, many of them were typical in uh, covenants that not only like with uh, Hittite uh, covenantal uh, treaties and the different peoples uh, around them in the ancient Near East, but if you go through uh, Genesis, uh, through the Torah, through the Old Testament, you'll see God make covenants, but you'll also see, for instance, Abraham uh, make covenants and Isaac and Jacob with uh, uh, the people around them. Uh, and so there are some that are between man and God where God grants a covenant uh, and establishes it uh, with his uh, vassal people, his servants. Uh, but sometimes uh, between man and man. Uh, so you have you know, kind of the vertical relationship but then the horizontal with, uh, with fellow men. And a lot of times it's when God makes uh, Abraham so great that uh, Abimelech and the peoples, you know, they're fretting and uh, becoming very concerned about this uh, uh, people and the, the, the power uh, that God is uh, giving uh, him and the wealth, uh, that they make a covenant with them, uh, like at uh, Beersheba, uh, the uh, well of the seven or the well of the oath. Uh, there's kind of a word play there uh, where it's, uh, and that's repeated at different times like throughout Genesis. And so, uh, Beersheba, they, they named these places that would uh, help them remember uh, certain events or covenants or uh, God's uh, words, his deeds in history. Uh, and so if you just even look at uh, some of those, the different covenants that are made, uh, I think there's even one between David and Jonathan, uh, just at various points, uh, you get kind of an idea of this uh, background for uh, establishing uh, legal transactions and such, uh, whether for the, the purchase of a land or uh, the establishment of a boundary or sort of a, a treaty 
so that the people would be at peace with one another uh, or with uh, God. And, uh, and some of these elements uh, were also know, known and used by the various peoples. They're just dealing even like with contracts and uh, treaties and uh, legal matters uh, like that. And so as you go into uh, the prologue that gives kind of the, the background, uh, the events, uh, Moses gives the uh, events that lead up to this time where Yahweh is going to make a covenant with the second generation as they're on the bank of the Jordan ready to enter into the promised land. Uh, he gives a prologue just about their uh, relationship uh, that has brought them to this place and their forefathers and how uh, Yahweh has redeemed them and how the first generation died in the wilderness. And as he begins, uh, look at uh, chapter 1, verse 1, Deuteronomy. So we just went with, with uh, numbers, and I'll just read that one more time and then read right in. Uh, these are the commandments and the rules that Yahweh commanded through Moses to the people of Israel in the plains of Moab by the Jordan at Jericho. Okay, numbers ends. Uh, these are the words that Moses spoke to all Israel beyond the Jordan in the wilderness in the Arabah opposite Suf, uh, between Paran and Tophel, uh, Lavan, Hazerot, and Dizahav. Uh, it is 11 days' journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea. Uh, in the 40th year, uh, on the first day of the 11th month, uh, Moses spoke to the people of Israel according to all that Yahweh had given him in commandment to them after he had defeated Sihon, the king of the Amorites, who lived in Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, who lived in Ashtarot and Edrei, uh, beyond the Jordan in the land of Moab, Moses undertook to explain this law, saying, Yahweh our God said to us in Horeb, you have stayed long enough at this mountain. Turn and take your journey. And so he goes on. And there, you, you, you know, it's kind of a mouthful, but you have their location on the plains uh, near Moab, plains of the Jordan, just east of the Jordan, uh, northern part of the, just north of the Dead Sea, uh, where the, the Jordan empties into the Dead Sea. And you have the, uh, the timing, uh, the 40th year and uh, the first day of the uh, 11th month, uh, which, as I recall looking at, it would be, uh, I think it would be a, a Sabbath uh, day uh, for them the day of rest, which would be the same as the covenant that was made uh, with them at uh, Mount Sinai. Uh, they arrived there third month, first day. In the third day of that month, uh, they had a uh, Sabbath. And so he goes on to recount uh, all, of, uh, all that uh, Yahweh has uh, done for them. Uh, and then you begin to transition and uh, chapter 4 or 5, uh, where Moses uh, gives uh, general stipulations to the people, uh, recounting uh, even like the Ten Commandments and such. But uh, it really focuses through, through about Deuteronomy uh, 12, uh, really focuses on their relationship with God, uh, very much like the uh, first table of the Ten Commandments, uh, the law, uh, which is about God. Uh, you. Uh, you shall have no other gods before me. Uh, you shall not make a graven image. You shall not bear my name in vain. Uh, you shall uh, keep the, the Sabbath. Uh, 
And so it's all about their relationship with, uh, with Yahweh, uh, with their uh, Lord and King. And so he focuses on that central element about their relationship uh, and there and other places as well, but uh, you have a lot uh, where Jesus draws upon, uh, you shall love the Lord your God with all your, uh, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all uh, your strength. Uh, and you shall uh, teach these uh, things as you uh, sit in your house and you walk by the way and you lie down and rise up. So in all of your the beginning of the day, the end of your day, and all of your inactivity and activity, uh, you are to remember these things. You're to speak these things. Uh, they're to be on your lips and uh, in your heart. Uh, and so all of this core teaching and instruction, and that then turns into, as you go into uh, Deuteronomy, I think it's really 12 and then like into 13 and on, you get some more specific uh, stipulations, uh, laws, commandments, and instruction that deals more with their relationship with their uh, fellow man uh, in the context of their relationship with, with God. Uh, that comes first. Eric? Well, I was thinking along with the inability to follow the old covenant, the first and greatest commandment leaves me totally incapable of following because love, that, that is... That's from God. That's a fruit of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. And that's the first and greatest commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's already relying on God. <clears throat> that's the message of Deuteronomy. Uh, and like as we were talking about, uh, positively uh, with uh, Deuteronomy and under the Old Covenant, uh, God uh, provided atonement. Uh, they had the Day of Atonement. Uh, anyone who read Deuteronomy in the Torah and thought that they could have right standing uh, before God apart from his grace, apart from uh, his atonement that he made provision for them and said, I will forgive you, uh, they were fooling themselves. Uh, they'd, be, they'd be under a curse. Uh, they, I'm not saying the people out uh, don't think that I'm sent driving these people out of the land because of uh, your righteousness. No, it's because of their unrighteousness. And you weren't the greatest of the peoples. You were the very least of them. You're a stiff-necked and hard-hearted people even to this day. And so they were to get that and see they needed atonement. They needed the forgiveness of sins. Uh, and even gave provision for repentance. Uh, they had to repent before God. Uh, and so they needed atonement, and God also, he circumcised hearts under the old covenant. It, it wasn't, apart from the spirit, they couldn't even begin uh, to love the Lord their God with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their uh, mind, and with all their, all their strength. And uh, no one in history has ever been saved apart from the spirit of God, apart from a circumcised heart, and apart from God's atonement. But the... The problem uh, with the Old Covenant, as Eric has been talking about, it was really more the, a problem with the people. Uh, if, if the people were not sinful and unrighteous uh, in their uh, very, uh, very nature and uh, their, the thoughts and intents of their hearts that work them, works out in the, 
their speech and their conduct, then there's nothing wrong with obeying God. <laughs> uh, obeying God is uh, not a problem if it's a self-righteous obedience. But it wouldn't have been a problem. It was the people's sinfulness that brought a curse upon them. Uh, and the Old Covenant didn't have a once-for-all perfecting sacrifice. And so they could believe God would forgive them. He said on the Day of Atonement, uh, priest will make atonement, and I'll forgive them. And he does. But uh, again, you have the day after day, week after week, all their feasts, and uh, Day of Atonement, and uh, year after year, and uh, the seven years, the 49 and 50 years, the Jubilees, uh, again and again and again. And, that showed that they didn't have a final perfecting sacrifice. And uh, under the Old Covenant, uh, God uh, did not pour his spirit out on all of the people. He did not circumcise everyone's heart who was under uh, the uh, Old Covenant. And so that's where there's need for a new covenant with a once-for-all perfecting sacrifice, no more uh, types and shadows that could not perfect them forever uh, and for God to promise to pour out his spirit on everyone who truly belongs uh, to the new covenant and so that's where you have Jeremiah 31 and 32 and Ezekiel 36 and maybe comes up in Ezekiel 10 uh, too and so th there's kind of that uh, there's kind of that balance as, as you read and such. In Deuteronomy, should have instructed them and taught them they needed atonement. They needed the forgiveness of sins. They needed God to grant them repentance and uh, faith. Uh, think about uh, the spies uh, who went into the, uh, the land. Uh, God said that the, the spies, you know, they shall not enter into my rest. They will not enter into the land. Well, except for Caleb. Uh, because he had a different spirit. Whose spirit do you think that was? It's the spirit of God. The spirit of God uh, kept Caleb. <laughs> That's why Caleb didn't uh, rebel against God. Uh, and he was, uh, he was a believer. Not sinless, but he was a believer. Uh, and not with, without atonement, but a believer. Uh, and, and then uh, Moses... You know, he struck the rock twice. Uh, Moses shall not enter. Uh, but encourage Joshua. He'll take the people in. And put your hands upon Joshua. And the spirit came upon Joshua. And you, you see, that, uh, see that throughout. And their children enter instead of all the men over, over 20 who rebelled against God. And so it's God who is at work uh, in his prophets and people. And he circumcised and regenerated hearts even under the old covenant but uh, there's a waiting for a, a perfecting sacrifice and so there's kind of a tension where you see believers you see Joseph you know this one who has uh, the spirit of God he had the spirit of God uh, and you see believers uh, throughout throughout history and yet at the same time Moses who knew God face to face could not enter into the land cut off, 120 years, like the generation of the flood, cut off, Noah and the eight go over, his three sons, their three wives, and uh, Noah's wife, whole generation wiped out, cut off. 
You get to the, the end of Deuteronomy, first generation, cut off. Moses, cut off. Cannot enter into the land at this time. Uh, like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, they got to walk through the land, but he got to, he got to see it. You know, look to the uh, north and west and east and south. You'll see the land, but you shall not enter into it. Who knew God face to face? He's faithful in all my house, you know, God says. Uh, and David, man after God's own heart. But he sinned, and it brought great hardship on the nation and upon his family after him. Solomon, the wisest man who had ever lived. And the kingdom is divided. And so we see again and again, sinners disappoint. Uh, it's only Yahweh who's the perfectly just uh, judge, priest, king, and prophet. He even speaks his, and proclaims his word, uh, and so does the, uh, uh, the envoy of Yahweh. As we saw in some cases, who is Yahweh? Uh, who accepts sacrifice, who accepts worship, uh, who takes the very names uh, of God uh, and his authority and prerogatives. So uh, you, kind of, you have kind of these tensions in, under the, the, the old covenant. Uh, and so just that balance between didn't have a perfecting sacrifice. Uh, there wasn't the circumcision of hearts for all God's people under the covenant, but there was circumcision of hearts and God did forgive, uh, forgive sins. And there are those who, uh, who, although not glorified, you know, they could start to walk in God's uh, commandments and because their sins were forgiven, uh, they could be uh, well-pleasing uh, to God by, by his grace. And, uh, ultimately, I uh, think, Steve, you were talking about in Hebrews that uh, the author of Hebrews says that uh, without us, they wouldn't be perfected. And so the, the, the perfection that comes with Christ uh, in God's purpose is to redeem his people and to establish his kingdom, he's, he, he's working out. And uh, Paul in Romans 3 says that uh, that he passed over the sins previously committed so that uh, he might be just and justifier uh, or uh, righteous and the one who makes righteous those who have faith in, in Christ Jesus. And so uh, there are all these people uh, in the past, believers, that God forgave, he forgave their sins and uh, it's ultimately fulfilled in, uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ, the anointed. So. Now let's go to uh, Deuteronomy uh, let's see the end of uh, 29 actually the beginning of 29 and so after all of these uh, general uh, stipulations uh, about their relationship uh, with, with God and the covenant he was making with them. Uh, and after the more specific ones uh, that focus on uh, the relationship with the people and entering into the land and places of worship and feasts and uh, their, the, the offices of judge, priest, king, prophet, uh, and so on, uh, you get to the, the blessings and uh, the curses uh, that they were to uh, proclaim as they entered into the land uh, blessings and curses of the covenant. 
blessings uh, for believing and obeying God and curses uh, for uh, rebelling uh, against him. And, oh, I ended up in Numbers. I was in Exodus uh, last week, so uh, I guess I'm a little bit closer. And so look at the very end of the uh, chapter 28. Uh, and actually, <laughs> it's, in English, it's, it's uh, verse 1, <clears throat> but should be, in, uh, should be with what precedes. In, in uh, the Hebrew Bible, it's uh, the last verse of uh, 28. So uh, concluding the, the blessings and the curses, Uh, These are the words of the covenant that Yahweh commanded Moses to make with the people of Israel in the land of Moab, besides the covenant that he had made with them at Horeb. And so that concludes the section. And we spoke a little bit about this, where these are the words of the covenant that Yahweh commanded Moses to make with the people of Israel in the land of Moab, besides the covenant that he made with them at Horeb. And just to add on what we spoke about last week, where you see continuity and connections with the Old Covenant. Uh, In fact, chapter 5, 6, you have uh, the Ten Commandments uh, and such that are recounted. (coughs) And so you see connections uh, with the covenant that was made 40 years uh, previously. Uh, And it's important to point out that both of these covenants are made under the same mediator, uh, Yahweh's mediator, Moses. Uh, but this covenant, as the second generation is about to enter into the land, uh, in some ways it's kind of like a modification into an expansion. So you have ideas of like covenant renewal, but there's expansion. Uh, and also uh, scholars like Eugene Merrill talk about even some of the elements and commandments uh, that are even maybe more relevant for uh, as they enter into the land and such. Uh, And maybe uh, in some ways as uh, corrective and instruction uh, in light of what happened with the the first generation. And so a lot of this covenant in Moses' exhortations and instruction remind about what God did for them, bringing them out of Egypt, but what happened in the wilderness. Uh, and so uh, to believe God, uh, to trust him, and to, uh, to obey him, uh, unlike their fathers who've died in the wilderness. And so then this leads into Moses' instruction in the very last uh, segments of Deuteronomy where he gives exhortations in uh, chapter 29 and chapter 30, uh, really warning about, kind of recounting again some of their history up to this point, but then warning about their disobedience, uh, their rebellion, and even saying, when these things come upon you, it's going to happen. It's just, it's just a matter of time. And so then he goes into uh, chapter 30, uh, dealing with issues of repentance. Uh, and that is relevant. I also want to kind of nuance a little bit more. We spoke a little bit about 
how it's not just merely about the new uh, covenant. Uh, I used to think that. But I think if you read carefully uh, and then you work through the rest of the Old Testament into the new, that he's also giving instruction for repentance for when the people rebel, for when they turn away from God in the book of Judges, even with Assyria and uh, the Chaldeans, uh, the Neo-Babylonian Empire coming, he brings a people back. Uh, he brings a remnant. And they draw on a lot of this, God's instruction on uh, repentance and that he would grant the people repentance and bring them back into the land and, uh, and remove these curses from them and put it on their enemies. And so throughout their history, you see this uh, where you, you have repentance at different times under Hezekiah, under Josiah, under David, uh, Ezra and Nehemiah, at, at different times throughout their history, but a lot of them are short-lived. doesn't last very long, and, and it's not all the people, and pretty soon, uh, you know, after Josiah, uh, and his father's sins and the people's sins were so great, uh, God said, nope, he's going to bring judgment, but he gave a reprieve during the time of Josiah. And they quickly fall back into idolatry, their sons and daughters and such. And so there's a lot of disappointment along the way. And so when you read about the repentance and God granting repentance to all the people and how God's reign in, in, of the nation uh, their blessings and reign was to be universal. It was to extend to the ends of the earth for all time. They were to be planted and never uprooted again. Uh, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God said, to you I will give this land. Well, they just got the cave of Machpelah, uh, basically a tomb, you know, to be buried in. Uh, they got a down payment, but they, they only got graves uh, to, be, uh, to be buried in. Uh, they didn't receive and inherit all the land uh, along with their, their offspring after them. And so there are these uh, expectations and promises uh, that are so grand and so great that it awaits even greater uh, repentance, uh, even greater salvation, and only Yahweh uh, can bring it about. Only he can save and redeem his people. Uh, and Jesus is Yahweh coming in the flesh, uh, the eternal, eternal son. And so as you look at some of these things, like the corporate offices and uh, discussions of repentance, you have these tensions where uh, just because Jesus, uh, as we were talking about, is the king of kings, the judge of judges, the priest of priests, and the prophet of prophets, it doesn't mean that these offices were irrelevant throughout Israel's history uh, when God would raise up a prophet. Uh, during the time, and, and they draw on these passages, uh, but there are greater and grander expectations uh, for, uh, and Yahweh is the only perfect, ju just, judge, priest, uh, king, and, and prophet uh, of, of his people. And so, again, th there are expectations that are so great, and so sometimes you're not just dealing with just a single future predictive prophecy just about Jesus he has nothing to do uh, with anyone or anything else whatsoever um, and sometimes it's not just a near and a far you know sometimes you have that but
but you have a trajectory. You have expectations for the offices. You have expectations for Israel, the nation. Uh, you know, Jesus even have like in Isaiah 49, uh, speaks about like his anointed, his servant. You are Israel. And he talks about Israel, who, his servant, whom he's sending to save Israel. <laughs> a righteous, sinless <laughs> uh, Israel. And it's talking... It, it's talking about his anointed. Uh, and so th th there's this idea where uh, Jesus, he fulfills all of the expectations for these offices and the covenants and the promises and, uh, and for the nation. And one day in the kingdom, you know, one day he will establish the nation and they will be a blessing to all nations. And so sometimes, sometimes you just have a single future predictive prophecy and you know, it's just about uh, the coming uh, anointed greater David. Sometimes you have a near and a far, but some, a lot of times you'll have uh, a trajectory. You'll have expectations that are so great, so grand, that sinners just disappoint, disappoint, disappoint. And so you have a taste of the blessing. You have a taste of the promises. Uh, but uh, in a sense, it's kind of types and shadows. It's, it's, only, it's only very, very partial. And so there, there's the waiting and expectation uh, for something far, far, far uh, more. And I think if you just kind of look at that and read through all of Scripture, all of the Old Testament, all of the New Testament, I think it'll help see some of the kind of complexity and how these things uh, un unfold. And it also shows even uh, Jesus' fulfillment that sometimes we think too small about his fulfillment. It's bigger. It's grander. Uh, he's going to establish the nation. He's going to establish Zadok. He's going to uh, establish... Uh, he's the perfect uh, judge, king, priest, and prophet. But he's going to establish a nation uh, in kingdom of priests who are going to be a blessing to all nations. And so... There's, uh, there's so much more that's, uh, that's there that I think sometimes, sometimes uh, we can oversimplify things uh, a little, little bit. And so go to uh, chapter 31. And we have been seeing uh, Moses' uh, instruction uh, that he's going to die. He's 120 years. God said he won't. Uh, enter into the land, uh, but Yahweh, he will bring them in, uh, Yahweh, and then Joshua, he'll bring them in, as, as Yahweh promised, and God will be with him and with them, <clears throat> and then go to, let's see, as we go to verse uh, 9, And uh, Ryan, uh, would you mind reading uh, verse uh, 9 through 13? Sure. Deuteronomy 31, 9 through 13. Then Moses wrote this law and gave it to the priest, the son of Levi, who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, and to all the elders of Israel. And Moses commanded them, at the end of every seven years, at the set time in the year of release, at the Feast of Booths, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God, 
at the place that he will choose, you shall read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Assemble the people, men, women, and little ones, and the sojourner within your towns, that they may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God, and be careful to do all the words of this law, and that their children, who have not known it, may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God, as long as you live in the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. And so, here now, uh, again we see Moses uh, writes, uh, he writes down uh, this, uh, this law, verse 9. Then Moses wrote this law and gave it to the priests, the sons of Levi, who carried the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh, and to all the elders of Israel. And we've seen it many times. Uh, he uh, speaks uh, to, the, uh, to the elders and the leaders. Uh, you have the over 600,000 men and, and the women and children. Uh, Moses' voice could only carry so far. And so uh, he'd uh, teach uh, those, and especially uh, elders and men and everyone who could hear, uh, and they would also uh, teach the word uh, to the people. Uh, and throughout the, their tribes and clans and uh, families. And so uh, from Moses and Aaron, or at this point, Eliezer, uh, Aaron has, has died, Moses' brother and prophet, and uh, Miriam, his sister. And so he writes down this law, uh, and the covenants would be written down. Uh, and we saw that also uh, with the Ten Commandments, God himself wrote on the uh, tablets of stone. Uh, but then in <coughs> Exodus 24, uh, where they ratified the covenant, it says that Moses uh, wrote down the book or the scroll of the covenant. Uh, Exodus 21 through 23. Uh, you have these more specific uh, stipulations and laws that uh, Yahweh gives to the people. And Moses writes them down and speaks them in the hearing of all of the people. And they ratify the covenant, uh, and they have the sacrifices, and he sprinkles the blood. This is the blood of the covenant. Uh, and the elders, uh, and Aaron, and Moses, uh, and maybe uh, I think Aaron's uh, sons, they go to eat. Uh, it's maybe uh, Nadav and Abihu at that time. But they, they go to eat before Yahweh uh, and ratify the covenant. Uh, before their uh, king and their uh, lord, uh, and uh, have have fellowship uh, with uh, with their god, uh, and uh, peace, and, uh, and uh, even to to rejoice and celebrate what God has done, uh, redeeming them, uh, like uh, Jethro the Midianite, who rejoices, but the, the people of Israel uh, tend to grumble and complain, and so. He gives it to the priests, the sons of Levi, who carried the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh, and to all the elders of Israel. And for instruction, but also for keeping. Uh, and you often see the Levites working with him, uh, and especially uh, Moses' uh, own uh, nephews and grandnephew, uh, the, the priests and the, the high priest, Eliezer, uh, for the keeping of the covenant. Uh, the keeping of God's word and instruction to all the people 
and then gives a provision for the reading of the covenant regularly uh, for the people to be reminded. Uh, verse 10, and Moses commanded them at the end of every seven years at the set time in the year of release at the Feast of Booths when all Israel comes to appear uh, before Yahweh, your God, at the place uh, that he will choose, you shall read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Uh, assemble the people, men, women, and little ones, and the sojourner within your towns, that they may hear and learn to fear Yahweh your God, and be careful to do all the words of this law, and that their children who have not known it uh, may hear and learn to fear Yahweh your God as long as you live in the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. And so <clears throat> at the end of every seven years at the Feast of Booths or, or Tabernacles uh, in the uh, seventh month, uh, the 15th through the 22nd, as I recall, of the seventh month, uh, they'd have this instruction and they're kind of back in the wilderness. You know, they're in their tabernacles remembering God's deliverance, God's redemption, uh, God's presence, uh, dwelling with the people uh, in their uh, midst to provide for them. Uh, there'd be the, the reading uh, of uh, this covenant that uh, Moses made with them on the plains of Moab as, as they're about to enter and take, uh, take the land uh, with all the people, from the very greatest to the, the very least of uh, them and their sons and daughters. And uh, you even see, like in Deuteronomy 6, uh, we were talking about uh, that you shall speak of these things as you sit in your house, walk by the way, as you lie down, as you rise up, uh, teach them uh, diligently to your sons. You shall write them on the doorposts of your houses and uh, on your gates. So these words, they're to be written uh, in the blessings and curses and the, uh, the law as they entered the, the land uh, went to Mount Ebal and Mount uh, Gerizim. They were to write down the law. And so it's something that was to be spoken, something that was to be taught uh, from uh, the, the priests, the leaders had chief responsibility, uh, all of those uh, corporate officers, uh, judge, priest, uh, king and prophet, and even the king, what was he supposed to do with this law? He used to write it down before the priests. So they'd uh, watch over and make sure that the, the copy was uh, good uh, and, and right. He was to write down the law and he was to meditate on it day and night. And what did David do? He meditated on the law day and night. You can read about that in the Psalms. Uh, he, he meditated uh, on, on the word of God. Um, and so all, all of the people from their leaders uh, to their clans to their families uh, the word of God was to be spoken taught uh, and written so when we fast forward to Jesus' time mm -hmm. how would the everyday common person how well would they be acquainted with the law, the prophets so when you mm -hmm. read about the blind man you know, he speaks over oh, are you the Messiah? You know, mm -hmm. he believes in him, or you see mm -hmm. these people when Christ is there fulfilling all this prophecy to the T. Mm -hmm. How accountable are they for knowing these things? Do they know these things, or were they obviously they were blinded by the Spirit, but were they taught these things? Did they know them? 
Yeah, for, for so many uh, within Israel, especially as they had the synagogues that proliferated at that time following uh, their exile into uh, Babylon in the centuries that followed and uh, the temple had been <clears throat> destroyed for a time, but then you had, they were built it, but you had people scattered far and wide. Uh, they had the synagogue, which was a general meeting place, but they'd also meet weekly for uh, instruction and for the, the reading of scripture and for prayer uh, and for teaching. And you see Jesus as he begins his ministry, like in Luke, around uh, Luke 4, is it, uh, or so, uh, he, he uh, gets up to, to read and he s sits down like me to teach. And so they, they sat down to teach, and so it's a perfectly fine thing to do. Uh, but I, th I think it's even preferable. But anyway, the Christian liberty, I guess. But uh, yeah, they, they'd be taught it uh, extremely, uh, extremely well. They, they'd be taught it from, from their youth, and then like some like Paul, who had even more teaching. And uh, Jesus even says uh, to them, oh, you know, on the road to Emmaus, uh, <laughs> You know, well, he talks about them being like slow of heart, and you know, if only you had uh, believed uh, the uh, Moses and the prophets, uh, and the the law, the prophets, and the Psalms, uh, the three three parts. Uh, slow of heart, you know, to believe all that the prophets had written. If only they'd believed, you know, they wouldn't have been in uh, so much agony and grief. And uh, oh no, we we thought he was the anointed. We we thought. We thought maybe he was the king of Israel to come, but maybe not, you know, he's dead. No, he had to die. <laughs> if, if you had only read and believed what was written. Uh, and so he opens their eyes to, to believe uh, by, by the spirit. So yeah, <laughs> they should have believed. I mean, you have things, it's kind of like Isaiah and such that he speaks in parables so that hearing they may not hear and seeing they may not see. and uh, you know, may not uh, understand in turn, repent, and I would heal them. And so sometimes it's a matter of judgment, uh, but there it shows uh, it, was, it was all of God. Uh, only, only Jesus uh, could save uh, his, his people, uh, not, not sinful men. And so here we see the writing of it. We see uh, giving it to the uh, to the Levites, to, to the priests, uh, amidst the Levites and the elders uh, for the provision of reading it uh, from this time on. Uh, and then, uh, Steve, would, would you mind reading? Oh, sure. Uh, let's see, how about, let's read from verse 14. Uh, through, well, that's kind of a big section to ask you. Are, are you up for it? For chapter 31? We'll, we'll go through um, 20, through 21. Okay. So verse 14 through, through 21. All right, Deuteronomy 31, verses 14 through 21. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, the days approach when you must die. Call Joshua and present yourselves in the tent of meeting that I may commission him. And Moses and Joshua went 
and presented themselves in the tent of meeting. And the Lord appeared in the tent in a pillar of cloud, and the pillar of cloud stood over the entrance of the tent. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, you are about to lie down with your fathers. Then this people will rise and whore after the foreign gods among them in the land that they are entering, and they will forsake me and break my covenant that I have made with them. Then my anger will be kindled against them in that day, and I will forsake them and hide my face from them, and they will be devoured. And many evils and troubles will come upon them, so that they will say in that day, have not these evils come upon us because our God is not among us? And I will surely hide my face on that day because of all the evil that they have done, because they have turned to other gods. Now therefore write this song and teach it to the people of Israel. Put it in their mouths that this song may be a witness for me against the people of Israel. Great, that, that's good. Let's, oh, stop. Okay. Let's pause there. <clears throat> and so... Here, now with the commissioning of uh, Joshua uh, before uh, all of the people, which we'd read that portion, the earlier portion of this chapter last week, uh, you'd see that he begins to commission Joshua, he writes down the law, uh, and then returning uh, to Joshua and the, the people, uh, that he speaks about the things uh, to come, that's going to come after the initial conquest, after uh, this uh, initial generation uh, that God preserves to preserve and uphold his promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to bring them into the land. And you now see uh, this song that he's to write down. So he's written down uh, the law. Uh, he's written down the, the scroll of the, of the law, uh, Deuteronomy. And now this song, uh, verse 18 and I will surely hide my face in that day because of all the evil that they have done, because they have turned to other gods. Now, therefore, write this song and teach it to the people of Israel. Put it in their mouths that this song may be a witness for me against the people of Israel. And we spoke a little bit about witnesses. And at various points, the people are witnesses. Uh, sometimes... Uh, we'll even see, I'll talk about the heavens and the earth. All of creation is witness uh, to the covenant. Uh, the people uh, are witnesses. Uh, sometimes they'll even have, like in Abraham's day, in making the covenant where uh, they'll establish a monument. Or they'll say, like, this rock is witness, or, you know, pile, pile of rocks, or whatever. Uh, there'd be kind of a landmark and a monument to these things. And so you see witnesses. Uh, throughout, and so now this song uh, becomes a witness uh, to the people that's taught to them, that's on their own mouths, so that uh, when uh, they rebel, uh, they will be reminded of these things. Uh, they will uh, remember what God had done for them to redeem them, but how they then uh, rebelled uh, against him, uh, which would make them culpable uh, for their guilt, for their rebellion, and remind them that uh, despite their sin and rebellion, uh, but because uh, Yahweh will not allow his name uh, to be 
tarnished and spat upon by the nations forever, he will redeem those people and he will save them from their enemies uh, and even from, from their own sin. He'll redeem them in their land and uh, descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So uh, again, we have Moses writing writing uh, the scroll of the law, uh, this, this covenant on the plains of Moab, and then uh, this song that they were to teach. Uh, 19, now therefore write this song and teach it to the people of Israel. Put it in their mouths that this song may be a witness for me against the people of Israel. For I have brought them into the land flowing with milk in uh, honey, which I swore to give to their fathers, and they have eaten, or, or when they, uh, w- for when I have brought them into the land uh, flowing with milk and honey, which I swore to their fathers, and they have eaten and are full and grown fat, uh, they will turn to other gods and serve them and despise me and break my covenant. Very like the man, the woman in the garden. Uh, they had everything. Uh, to satisfaction uh, where they could really have no want and yet they rebelled. And stupid was the song of chapter 32. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're com- coming up on it. So the, the song uh, we'll see in uh, 32, uh, recorded down. And so verse 21, and when many evils and troubles have come upon them, Uh, This song shall confront them as a witness, for it will live unforgotten in their mouths of their offspring, for I know what they are inclined to do, even before I have brought them into the land that I swore to give. So Moses wrote this song the same day and taught it to the people of Israel. And now look, as, as we go through with this song, look how it connects the song to the law uh, that he's written down, showing they're both uh, mosaic. Uh, The teaching, the instruction, the law, uh, the song uh, given to him from from God. Uh, So again, verse 22, so Moses wrote this song the same day and taught it to the people of Israel. And Yahweh commissioned Joshua, the son of Nun, and said, be strong and courageous for you shall bring the people of Israel into the land that I swore to give them. I will be with you. When Moses had finished writing the words of this law in a book to the very end, Moses commanded the Levites who carried the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh, uh, take this book or scroll of the law, so to the Levites, and put it uh, by the side of the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh your God. Uh, that it may be there for a witness against you. And you had the Ten Commandments, you had Aaron's staff that budded, you had the manna in the jar, and uh, now you have the, the Book of the Covenant as a, uh, a witness. Uh, again, with the, uh, within the, the tabernacle and uh, the uh, ark. So, uh, Verse 26, take uh, this book of the law and put it by the side of the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh your God, that it may be there for a witness against you. For I know how rebellious and stubborn you are. Behold, even today, while I am yet alive with you, you have been rebellious against the Lord. 
uh, how much more after my death? Uh, assemble to me all the elders of your tribes and your officers that I may speak these words in their ears. So their leaders are to be taught to teach the people. Uh, and, and call heaven and earth to witness against them. For I know that after my death, uh, you will surely act corruptly and turn aside from the way that I have commanded you. And in the days to come, evil will befall you because you will do what is evil in the sight of Yahweh, provoking him to anger through the work of your hands. And so back to the song, the, the law written down uh, in the song to the end. Moses uh, writes it down. And you have this song that we're not going to go through, but uh, let's see, verse 30 and then in the beginning of the next chapter. Uh, then Moses uh, spoke the words of this song until they were finished in the ears of all the assembly of Israel. Uh, give ear, O heavens, and I will speak, and let the earth hear the words of my mouth. May my teaching drop as the rain, and my speech distill as the dew, like gentle. And so he gives this song about God saving them through the wilderness, bringing them out, and their rebellion uh, in, throughout the wilderness in the days to come. Uh, and yet God will ultimately, he'll judge them, he will scatter them, but one day for the sake of his name uh, and uh, his promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, he will be faithful to his covenant and uh, redeem them, uh, even though they're unworthy. And then go to the end of the chapter, uh, chapter 32. And so verse 43 uh, concludes the song. Uh, Rejoice with him, O heavens, uh, bow to, uh, down to him, all gods, for he avenges the blood of his children and takes vengeance on his adversaries. He repays those who hate him and cleanses his people's land. And so he rede redeems uh, his people. You have the witness of the heavens, the earth, uh, of all uh, creation. <clears throat> and they're even talking about the uh, angelic uh, heavenly host uh, bowing down uh, before him as the uh, one true living uh, creator God. And then uh, verse 44, uh, Moses came and recited all the words of this song. So echoing back to just what, what we had just heard right before this. Uh, Moses came and recited all the words of this song in the hearing of the people, he and Joshua, the son of Nun. So he's appointed Joshua, and now Joshua has risen up uh, as uh, a prophet of Yahweh. And you'll even see connections as you go into Joshua back to uh, Deuteronomy 18. Uh, Anyone who does not listen to your words shall be killed. Uh, God will hold them accountable uh, and guilty uh, for it. And so Moses came and recited all the words of the song in the hearing of the people, he and Joshua, the son of Nun. And when Moses had finished speaking all these words to all Israel, he said to them, take to heart all the words by which I am warning you today that you may command them to your children uh, that they may be careful to do all the words of this law. 
for it is no empty word for you, but uh, your very life, and by this word you shall live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. Uh, and then uh, verse uh, 48, so you have a, a transition in the end of the writing, uh, the giving, uh, the teaching of the uh, scroll of the covenant, and then the song is a remembrance. And you, you see these conclusions. He wrote all this down. He, uh, he spoke it uh, to them. And it's only there, after he writes, after he speaks, it transitions now uh, to uh, recounting uh, his, his death, especially as we get into chapter uh, 30, 33. But uh, Brian, would you mind reading uh, verse 48 through the end of this chapter? Deuteronomy 32:48. That very day the Lord spoke to Moses, Go up this mountain of the Abarim, Mount Nebo, which is in the land of Moab, opposite Jericho, and view the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel for a possession, and die on the mountain which you go up, and be gathered to your people, as Aaron your brother died in Mount Hor, and was gathered to his people. Because you broke faith with me in the midst of the people of Israel at the waters of Mer Merbah, Kadesh, in the wilderness of Zin, and because you did not treat me as holy in the midst of the people of Israel, for you shall see the land before you, but you shall not go there into the land that I am giving to the people of Israel. Uh, yep, and so here... Uh, Yahweh instructs him uh, to go up on the mountain to die. Uh, it's, it's finally time, the end of 120 years, uh, the end of the, the first generation, and Moses, uh, the, uh, the prophet. Uh, and then as you go into uh, ver or chapter 33, you have a final blessing that's recorded uh, by uh, Moses, uh, even linking back to uh, the blessing of Jacob in Genesis 49 uh, and connected to the blessing of uh, Balaam, the reluctant blessing of Balaam <laughs> that the spirit of Yahweh uh, put on his lips uh, in Numbers 23-24. And so, uh, verse 1, this is the blessing with which Moses, the man of God, blessed the people of Israel before his death. It goes on through the, this final uh, poem and then go to Deuteronomy 34. So you have that recorded here as well. Uh, and it ends with a blessing. So despite all these curses, Yahweh is king. Uh, in the very last one, he will redeem the sinful people. Uh, verse 29 of chapter 33. Uh, Happy are you, O Israel, who is like you, a people saved by Yahweh, uh, the shield of your help and the sword of your triumph. Your enemies shall come fawning to you, and you shall tread upon their backs. Just like Genesis 49. It ends finally with a blessing. So there's the hope of blessing. God will one day redeem this people and extend his blessing to all nations, all the earth, uh, and they will reign forever over all the earth. Uh, and then here uh, you have the recounting uh, of Moses' death. Uh, then Moses... Uh, went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo uh, to the top of Pisgah, uh, which is opposite Jericho. 
And Yahweh showed him all the land, Gilead as far as Dan, all Naphtali, and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the Western Sea, uh, the Negev and the plain, uh, that is uh, the valley of Jericho, the city of the palm trees as far as Zoar. And Yahweh said to him, uh, this is the land which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to your offspring. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. So Moses, the servant of Yahweh, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of Yahweh. And he buried him in the valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor. And, oh, but no one knows the place of his burial to this day. Uh, Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was undimmed and his vigor unabated. And the people of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. Uh, then the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. And Joshua, the son of Nun, uh, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him and did as Yahweh had commanded Moses. And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom Yahweh knew face to face. None like him for all the signs and the wonders that Yahweh sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land, and for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. And so there are a couple things, Lord willing, uh, we'll have a week off in uh, two weeks that we'll touch on. Uh, I'm planning to focus on Genesis, but there, there are just a couple little things I, I want to touch on uh, with the Old Testament and, and the, the New. But if, if we could look at e even more uh, and just go like throughout Scripture, one of the things, uh, here you, you have things described. Uh, Moses appointed Joshua under the instruction of Yahweh toward the end of Numbers uh, and Eliezer uh, and uh, the elders to distribute the land. And so here this is in the context where it's assuming the land is distributed, uh, all the different places. And there are some things where like Moses seems to prophesy what will come with like the tribe of Dan. Uh, but uh, some of these elements, it's looking back where their 30 days of mourning have passed, the people obeying Joshua. And so Moses appointing Joshua, the priests, and as we've also seen, they've often uh, worked with him, that uh, this likely was uh, written recounting his death as they went over, uh, maybe with the conquest, looking back. And if we could go like through Joshua, there are elements in Joshua that even refer to like uh, Rahab, still living with them, as unto this day. And, uh, and all sorts of uh, elements like that uh, in connections throughout Joshua and Judges uh, that continues some of these narratives with uh, Joshua, with Eliezer, uh, with uh, Phinehas, uh, all the way to the end of uh, Judges. Uh, but here with, if you think of the beginning of Exodus and the end of Deuteronomy, it's all framed around Moses' life. Moses is introduced right away. Uh, and if you look at like the Gospel of Mark, uh, it said that uh, Peter, Mark drew much from, from Peter. You have Jesus introduced, bam, Peter. Peter's introduced and to the very end, uh, beginning and end, uh, Peter. Uh, the Gospel 
is almost framed, uh, I mean, first around Jesus, but Peter. Uh, and it's kind of like that also with the Gospel of John. You have a mysterious fellow who shows up with uh, James, the son of Zebedee, but John isn't mentioned, a disciple that's not mentioned, uh, and, uh, and Andrew. Peter's brother, Peter's mentioned. You can go to the end of John. He's the one who's writing this. And so the, the Gospel of John, very early on, John the Apostle's introduced because you have this eyewitness background. And I, I think we, we'll even see, you have very much of that with Moses himself, uh, this eyewitness background. Uh, the judgment that comes upon Israel uh, as they uh, multiply, fill the earth, uh, upon their offspring uh, and on, on the baby boys. Oh, Moses is a baby boy who's, you know, they're trying to kill him. And so the narrative flows right in, and then 120 years. You have these flood themes, uh, these Noahic themes. Uh, Moses is kind of like a Noah figure, although in this case he's not entering into the new land. He, he's delivered from the Nile, delivered from Egypt, but dies on the other side. And Noah eventually died too. So there's much more that we could see. And we, we'll touch on a couple of things uh, as far as the Old Testament and the New Testament, but then uh, going into uh, the book of Genesis. So let's just close in prayer. Holy Father, uh, thank you for your word and thank you for your prophet Moses and uh, all that you've uh, written and taught and uh, instructed through him. And I thank you that uh, you've uh, preserved his words, that you've preserve your word, the very word of God, uh, so that uh, we can be uh, taught, uh, encouraged, uh, for these things are written for our instruction. And uh, I pray that our hope and trust would be uh, in your son and uh, in him alone, for uh, he alone, uh, he and he alone is the only uh, perfect uh, savior uh, and redeemer. And so we thank you for him. We thank you for his death, burial, and resurrection, uh, that uh, he no longer lies in the grave, but he's risen and ascended to your right hand, and uh, he will uh, return and come again soon. And so we look forward to that day, and uh, we pray that uh, if he tarries, that you'd bring us back together uh, to learn and grow in your word and uh, in the gospel. And we pray in his name. Amen.